Hello, hello. I'm Bree. Welcome to the Chocolate Bar. Our lives, our strength, our time. And welcome back, listeners. I'm so happy that you joined us again this evening. Um, this is an extra, extra, extra special episode for two reasons. Number one, because it is our 50th episode. Woo! Oh, mama didn't know I'd make it this far. Um, and this episode, by the time you all hear it, we'll be getting close to Mother's Day. So this is a special episode for all of you mommies, mommies to be someday thinking about momming. Um, so this is something that I wanted to cover. Um, for y'all as well. So again, welcome. I'm excited to have our guest this evening. And as per usual, I was just sort of perusing Instagram and thinking it would be really cool if I found someone, um, a black woman who could talk about these issues. And lo and behold, here comes Jamila. So I'm going to have Jamila introduce herself and tell us who she is and what she does. Hey, girl. Hey, girl. Um, yeah, so I'm Jamila. I started as a CrossFit coach. I've been coaching CrossFit for a little over five years. Um, and mm-hmm. then at the time I only had one child. I had my daughter who is now seven and I recently had a son, Ren, who is two and a half. And after having him, I was easing back into working out and my body was responding very differently than it did mm-hmm. the first time around, um, for lots of different reasons. And so um, in the past year, I went back and got a certification in uh, pregnancy and postpartum athleticism so that I could work with uh, pregnant and postpartum women who are also athletes and like to do kind of high intensity um, workouts and things like that, like me. So uh, I was trying to be uh, who I needed when I was pregnant. Well, thank you for doing that. Welcome to the podcast. We're so glad to have you tonight. So I guess I'd like to always thank you. I always like to start with just a little bit of background. So tell us a little bit about um, how you found your way to CrossFit. I always ask people and athletes, you know, did you find, for in your example, did you find CrossFit or did CrossFit find you? Uh, oh, it's a little bit of both. So <laughs> I played volleyball in college and then um after college was just did a variety of different kind of like high intensity uh, workouts. Mm -hmm. And then I discovered CrossFit like randomly online, but I found out I was pregnant at the same time. Ah. And, uh, you know, when you're pregnant, doctors are usually like, don't start to do anything different or new. Mm -hmm. So I had to wait. And um, when I was pregnant with my daughter, I told my husband he had to promise me that he would get me like a personal trainer for afterwards Mm -hmm. because I was very focused on, you know, how am I going to get back in shape? And I ended up working at the time, having a coworker who became a CrossFit coach. And Mm -hmm. so it was a little bit of both where like I had heard of CrossFit, but then I had someone come into my life who was also a coach. And so, um, my husband got me, uh, like on ramp classes that my coworker coached at, um, the box he coached at. So that's how I started CrossFit. Uh, and I was probably, my gosh, like five months postpartum with my daughter at the time. So, uh, yeah. And it was, I mean, instantly I liked it. I really like Mm -hmm. high intensity workouts. I like jumping. I was like, Ooh, I get to learn some Olympic lifting. So I was just like gung ho from the beginning. Whereas some people, like I know for my husband, he had to ease into it. Like I came home and I was Mm -hmm. like, Oh my gosh, we did this. And I got double enders and all of this stuff. And he was just like, Hmm, interesting. Uh, and I have a lot of friends that are the same way where they're just like, mm, that looks crazy. And then eventually you get them in the door and they, 
participate and then everybody's kind of sold on it. So Right. That's awesome. Yeah. So now you mentioned that you played sports in college and, you know, you've always done things like that. When you were growing up, were you also like, were you, how did you see yourself? Were you an athletic kid? Were you more sedentary? Like what was your journey like as a young woman growing up with your body and with sure. self-image and stuff? Yeah, for sure. An athletic kid. Um, my dad played collegiate basketball. So I grew up in a sports household mm-hmm. and my brother and I were always involved in sports from the time that we were kids. Uh, my parents coached us in soccer and then my dad coached us both in basketball for a long time. Uh, I mostly played basketball and then softball and then I got introduced to volleyball a little bit later, but that was mm-hmm. a sport that I fell in love with. Uh, so I was always active. I was a huge tomboy growing up. And so whether it was like playing basketball with Mm -hmm. my friends or uh, we used to like dirt bike ride and things like that, I was always, I just liked to be outdoors. Mm -hmm. And that has definitely uh, followed me into adulthood where I played club volleyball. I'm on a volleyball team right now. I'm probably like the oldest one on the team. (laughs) I play on a volleyball team right now. Um, I also like to work out. I like to get outdoors and go hiking and things. So I'm that friend in my Mm -hmm. group who's like hey I was just this morning trying to convince everyone to take a spin class with me and they're like okay here she (laughs) but yes that is it's it's always been me you know right that's awesome so did you did you did you feel like you kind of went through any of that like awkwardness or weirdness that preteen and teenage girls tend to go through or were you always pretty comfortable in your skin for sure went through the awkward and weirdness of it all. Mm -hmm. I think especially as an athlete, as a teen where, you know, it was cool to do that when you're really young, but then when you want boys to like you, it's not as cool. Right. uh, To Mm -hmm. be like, yeah, we can play. We're going to, you know, play basketball together. And then I also want to be your girlfriend. It's like, what? But you're the homie, you know? So that was definitely a struggle of, I really love, playing sports and I really love to be active what does that mean for me as a girl is that feminine or not um and you know certain I think certain sports get categorized in certain ways Mm -hmm. and uh as you know being either feminine or not which is really strange and I I played a mixture of everything and so that was I definitely went through the awkward phase Mm -hmm. Mm of you know, how do I continue to be a tomboy at 16? Right, right, right. Which is, you know. Yeah, not necessarily the, the route that a lot of folks tend to take at that age. So um, I definitely get that. So you mentioned you you went, so you, you know, grew up, you played sports in college. Um, did you, where, where are you from originally? I'm from the Bay Area. So from Northern California. Get out. Where are you from? Yes. I'm from Union City. Are you from the Bay? Girl, yes. I grew up in uh, Richmond and went to high school in Oakland. Stop it. Really? Yeah. I went to oh my Logan, gosh. obviously. Yeah. Did you really? <laughs> I did. I went to Logan and my husband, actually my father-in-law is from Richmond. That's really funny. What? My mom is from East Palo Alto. Yeah. <gasps> oh my God. We were going to have to have this conversation. Also. I know. I'm like, oh wait a minute. Oh my what? gosh. Yeah. I went, to, um, <laughs> I went to Holy Names High School. Okay. And yes, I did. Oh, that and is awesome. Uh, I went to UC Irvine. 
I went to UC Santa Barbara. Girl, we're gonna have to have a conversation. Really? This is too much. Yeah. Yes. I mean, I I'm pretty Down sure I was there decades before you, but <laughs> that is so funny. What a small world. Oh my gosh. That okay. is. I played <laughs> summer ball at Holy Names. Uh, really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> See, I knew there was just something about it. Yeah. I just knew. It was, I just loved. Oh my gosh. Okay. So, um, you mentioned, um, that you started to get into CrossFit a little bit after you were pregnant with your first child or had your first child. Mm-hmm. How did CrossFit sort of affect, um, an impact? Cause that is such a tough time, especially if you are someone who has been an athlete or used to seeing yourself as an athlete for a long time. And then your body does a complete 360 <laughs> as you get pregnant. Yeah, how for did, sure. right. And, and so how did um crossfit like affect or kind of impact your transition from from you know postpartum to kind of getting back into getting in shape and all of that so i think with my first it felt like a good jump start so i didn't fully commit to crossfit at the time i did like an on-ramp program which was about Mm -hmm. two weeks long and then i uh went on to like work out at my the gym at my job and then probably like a year later, there was a box, a CrossFit box that opened local to where I lived. And then I joined there and that's how I got into coaching. Mm-hmm. So uh, the first time it was just like, hey, this is a good kind of jump start. The next time around, because I was CrossFitting while pregnant, mm-hmm. it was a lot different. I definitely had this athlete mindset of like, I can continue to do this while I'm pregnant. And I was coaching at the time as well. And so I felt like I needed to be an example that like being pregnant doesn't have to stop you. Uh, My mindset was very different than it is now. And yes, so um, I was eager to continue doing the things that I was doing in my second pregnant pregnancy um, at Mm -hmm. the gym. And I was surrounded by people that didn't know what it should look like. And mm-hmm. so they were very encouraging um, and didn't really question any of the choices or decisions that I was making. And I think some of that came from like, well, she's a coach, so she probably knows. And right. from other coaches also just having never been exposed mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. Um, a pregnant CrossFitter. So, right. yeah. And then my recovery with my second was uh, just very different than it was the first time around. And so... I, Why do you think that is? I think it's age. I also think it had to do with how hard I was working out during my second pregnancy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't take it as easy as I did the first time around. I think a, largely because I was in the box every day. Right. And so I was wanting to continue to like push myself in ways that I didn't need to. Mm-hmm. Um, I think those are the big, and then just having a second child is, it just throws just more bodies. It right. just throws things off. Um, right, right. But yeah, I think those things definitely, like how hard I was working out and then just being um, a little bit older contributed to that. My body didn't take it as well. So looking back on it now, do you think that there are things that you would do differently if there is a next time or if there were a next mm-hmm. time as opposed to the second time? Uh, there will not be a next time. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm just, I'm just saying. Uh, but yeah, I would definitely do things differently. There I know much more about um, anatomy and, mm-hmm. you know, the the way your body grows and changes mm-hmm. in order to accommodate your pregnancy, especially just how your pelvic floor is the center of everything. Mm-hmm. And 
the weight and the pressure of a baby on that, how it can weaken it and things like that. And so I definitely wouldn't have, I mean, I was still doing double unders and jumping rope and I was very pregnant. Mm-hmm, um, I, mm-hmm. I wouldn't make those choices. I probably right. wouldn't do as many inversions and be doing handstand pushups and things like that pregnant. Um, yeah, I, I would make a lot of different choices and I wouldn't stop working out altogether. Right. Mm-hmm. I would just you know, it's the risk versus the reward, right? Mm-hmm. And weighing my mm-hmm. options of, yes, I can do this now. Just um, and I feel okay. Doesn't, doesn't mean you, you should. Have to. <laughs> right, right, right. And right, I think right. about the timeline of like when you're pregnant, it's it's only nine months of your life, right? And right. it can feel like forever because right. nine months is a long time out of a year. But when you think about your entire life, exactly. taking nine months to slow down and even a little bit after that in your postpartum period to slow down mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, is not going to negatively impact the rest of your life, right? And right. how you can fitness from here on out. So I would do things differently. <laughs> so staying on that a little bit, I wanted to explore a little bit um, this whole concept and topic and I think it's become more prevalent just because social media has made things much more visible right but this dreaded concept of snapback culture mm-hmm. um I really feel like that has done a really horrible number on new moms moms to be mm-hmm. old moms um, in terms of how long it truly is supposed to take your body to recover and not even necessarily to what it once was, but to whatever form it's going to take um, once you have a baby. And I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about sort of either your experience with that or, you know, what you've seen as an as a coach who coaches athletes. And I think there's probably even more of that expectation with you know, women that are athletic because there's that pressure like, okay, well, is she going to be able to do the things she was able to do? Um, so if you could speak a little bit to that, that would be great. Yeah, uh, I definitely experience this mm-hmm. because I am the fit and athletic one, right? right. Of um, Especially in a lot of my like groups of friends, right? They mm-hmm. know that I'm really into working out. I also coach. And mm-hmm. so there was definitely while I was pregnant, people would make comments like, oh, Jam's going to be fine, right? Like right. she, we're not going to have to worry. She's going to be doing pull-ups, you know, a week after right. giving birth and things like that. And it actually added a lot of pressure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And my kids are four and a half years apart. So I don't really, I didn't remember what the postpartum, early postpartum period looked like because right. I had, I think, blocked it out. And so right. I wanted and expected to to kind of snap back, right? Mm-hmm. I'm like, I've been working out and they say that's one thing that you need to do, work out throughout right. your pregnancy right. um, and all of these things. And so I definitely think there is pressure across the board. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think for athletes, that is especially so because there is ex- an expectation in right. addition to the pressure. Um, I also think when I think about black women, a lot of the examples that we have on social media of people who are snapping back don't necessarily look like us. Right. Or, um, or if they do look like us, they're likely celebrities that have money to have things done and have people help them. And so we are comparing ourselves to people whose lives don't look like ours, Mm -hmm. whose genetic makeup is wildly different. Right. Right. Um, And that can be really, really hard. And it's hard to, when you don't see yourself to know kind of what to expect. So 
I'm, I'm not a fan of the snapback. I understand mm-hmm. it having children. My right. body is, I'm still very athletic. My body is also very different. Mm-hmm. I weigh mm-hmm. the same. And if we're just going off numbers, it's like, yeah, I weigh the same, but my body fat is a little bit higher than it was before. Right. My right. clothes fit differently than yeah. they did. Yeah. And that is all it's all hard to, to take in, right? And then right. if you add the extra, not just the internal pressure, but the expectation from mm-hmm. your friends and family of you as an athlete to be able to get it right back. Yeah. And I don't think it's intentional, right? Like my friends weren't saying that because they were trying to add pressure. They were just like, she's not the one to compare to because, right. you know, she gets it or she her body yeah. is going to just snap back. And it's like, yeah. no. And I think people just don't understand like what, you know, I I don't think people understand sort of, like you said, what that process is actually like, like actually growing and and bringing a life into the world, what that does to your body. Um, And even if right, and even if you have done it or have experienced it, or, you know, you you are pregnant or whatever, you're right, you really don't, you have so many more examples to see now, but it's always the most visible people and not like, you know, um, Keisha down the street it's like right. you know Beyonce like, or Serena yeah. you know right. or people who you know their bodies are in some ways I mean especially for Serena they're part of their livelihood so yes. yeah you know and they their their training isn't just let me walk around the block three times a week like mm-hmm. it's much different than what you know someone who like you said is a mom and a wife and working and right. doesn't have millions of dollars or doesn't have private chefs you know and has access to they don't get to see that. So it's, right. it's you know, I think that's also particularly, um, you know, particularly troubling um, and, and and makes it so much harder than it needs to be. You know, oh, and yeah. I can even remember and I, you know, I have a 15 year old, but I can literally remember getting pregnant. And like my first thought was, OK, what's my post baby plan going to be? Right. You know, and it's like, <laughs> but wait, you got to get through the next nine. Yeah. And I wasn't, you know, and I trained I was, you know, I, I've worked out for a long time and I was, you know, training pretty hard then. But that was the only thing I was concerned about, mm-hmm. you know, so it's kind of like we got to start doing stuff to, to, or at least showing that there are many different facets to what, you know, mm-hmm. being, um, you know, working out and feeling good and moving when you're pregnant and postpartum and how long that should take or not even should take, but may take because everybody's body's different. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. it's, it's interesting too, because I know after I had both my kids, especially after I had my oldest, mm-hmm. I was like, no one told me that I would feel like I got hit by yes, a truck, right? Yes. So like that is you're rehabilitating, right? It's like mm-hmm. if you had a knee surgery, you wouldn't go out the next day and start running. No, right? right? Like exactly. you have been through, your body has been through something yeah. and you need to honor that and give it time to heal uh, from that. But it's, it's hard when that's, when when you don't see those images, right? Right, yeah. right. And I mean, and you know, I, I had a cesarean with my son. And I mean, okay. when I tell you that it literally took two years for me to feel somewhat normal again physically, and people were just like shocked by that. And I'm like, nah, like for real, it literally took two years for I could say, okay, I, I kind of feel like myself, right. Right. you know, even though I was very different, but it was just really, you know, and that was like I said, me training throughout pregnancy and coming into pregnancy at a, you know, pretty, in pretty decent shape. It just, it just rearranges all your parts. Right. <laughs> 
<laughs> you across know, everything. So, yes. I mean, and I, I, I'm glad that there is social media so that hopefully we can start to show more of those other images. And I am starting to see a little bit more of that, but yeah. we definitely need to get more and more and more. Yes. I mean, I also, I have friends that will send me like, look at Becky doing this thing. Right. And she mm-hmm. looks great. And I'm like, yeah, she looks great. Also, you know, Becky is built different than we're, di- mm-hmm. than we're mm-hmm. built. I also think there is a certain amount of vulnerability that we are just now black women are just now starting to have online where we can share yes. like, this is what the process has looked like for me. Yes. Um, yes. In order for people to see that reflected back to them and be like, right. okay, it's not going to look just like, yeah. it's not going to look like Beyonce. Right. Or all this stuff right. we didn't see before homecoming. Right. It, and it, even it, in her special, if you haven't watched it yet, she was pretty brutally she, honest yes. about what she had to do. And she was like, I will never do that again. Right. <laughs> you know, and so I think even yes. she recognizes that that was so crazy. It's a lot. Yeah. So I think being able to be vulnerable in that way, uh, so that other people can see that is a huge, right. is a huge right. piece of the puzzle. And I don't know if you follow, um, Kiana Welsh online, I do. Um, but I, one of the things, and we actually did a, a podcast episode I not heard. too long ago. <laughs> and I mean, I already loved her to life, but one mm-hmm. of the things that I've really loved about her is that she has been so super transparent throughout her pregnancy in that yeah. it's not all great all the time. And some days are trash and mm-hmm. some days she feels like trash and, you know, and she looks amazing, of course, but just being very mindful of the fact like, hey, you know, your mileage may vary on this. Don't compare yourself to me, you know, a coach who does this full time. And so I really, like I said, I really think that the more women we can get to do that, if they feel comfortable putting themselves out there like that, you know, particularly for black women, I think is, is a fantastic thing. So, hey, shout out to you, Q. Yeah. Um, she should be having that baby any day now. I know. Um, <laughs> So I guess, well, you kind of answered my next question a little bit at the top of the podcast when I was asking you what sort of made you or influenced you to get into coaching or specializing in pregnant and postpartum athletes. Um, But if you wanted to talk a little bit more about kind of what that was like and sort of what that process of like, you know, I noticed you mentioned you got a certification, like what sort of training did you have to do to specialize in that? Yeah. So this was again last year and it's actually, um, Brianna Battles, who is oh Kiana's, okay, yes. so uh, I found her through social media mm-hmm. and was like, she is speaking my language. Like, mm-hmm. I get this. She understands, and so I ended up doing. She has an online course, okay, and I did that last year, like late last year, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and. You know, the inspiration was really like, hey, I miss coaching because I had taken a brief hiatus after having Mm -hmm. my son. Mm -hmm. And then also, like, if I'm going to go back to coaching, this is what I think is needed. This is what Mm -hmm. I feel like is missing because, you know, even after I had my son, I was trying, you know, and I'm fairly plugged in to a network of coaches locally Mm -hmm. and was looking for someone who had worked with, you know, postpartum women and had I couldn't find anyone. And Mm -hmm. I know I had one friend who was like, oh, I know a coach who's had a baby before. And I'm like, okay, that's that's a start, right? (laughs) So yeah, I was like, if I'm going to go back to coaching, I really want to specialize in this population Mm -hmm. because I care a lot, a lot about them. Um, And so that's how that worked out. And my husband goes to a box that is local to us and because we moved after my son. And so I met with, there's a PT that works out of that box, um, a physical therapist. Mm -hmm. I met with her and the owner and they were like, this would be great because, you know, we don't really know uh, how to work. You know, we, we want to, 
allow women to continue to feel comfortable here. Right, but we also right. need some help in modifications and things. And mm-hmm. the owner was saying that he was having women. He had had four women recently announce that they were pregnant. And two of them were like, I guess I'm going to stop crossfitting. And the other two were just really, really timid and didn't know what to do or how to right. proceed. Right. And so it's like, yeah, this education is needed. And for most women, if you're an athlete, the first, one of the first people you tell is your coach, right? right or your right. personal trainer or whatever. Right, right. And uh, in most cases, they haven't had the education, mm-hmm. right? Or haven't necessarily worked with someone who's been pregnant before. And so they can only help you so much in terms of who they can refer you to and what their network looks like. Right. And then even if I found that even if you were not active prior to being pregnant, once you have that baby, the first place a lot of women go is the gym, right? And right, they're like, I need to drop this weight. I just had a baby. Right. And so, you know, I think as a coach, I really consider it my responsibility to be there and to be visible mm-hmm. so that when women come back or when they find out they're pregnant, they have someone who is there to, to support them. Right. So, right. Yeah. That's awesome. We need more yeah. of you. Um, so, so tell me a little bit about what that, what that journey looks like coaching someone. So, mm-hmm. you know, I come into your box and I'm like, Hey coach, guess what I'm expecting? And let me like knock on some wood that that is not going to happen. <laughs> I am 47 years old and that is foolishness. But anyway, let's just say for example, and I'm like, Hey, guess what? I just found out. Walk me through that process of working with an athlete from, you know, pregnancy and and let's just you know assume first with the scenario that she's already been working on in some capacity right um okay yeah so the first thing is always like yes new baby but then we get into you know depending on where they are in their pregnancy especially if it's really early you don't Mm -hmm. have to modify much right um a lot of women in their first trimester are just tired yeah. And so uh, at that point, it's really just like, do what you can. And mm-hmm. if you feel up to it, then then work out. And if not, then don't. Um, also feel just giving them the license to modify mm-hmm. and to ta- or to take it easy if they need to in that first trimester. Mm-hmm. Um, as they get out of that and their belly is growing, what I will typically do is we'll move away from doing uh, a lot of Olympic lifts mm-hmm. and we'll move to dumbbells. So I, I think it's important to continue to do things pre- in pregnancy and postpartum um, under a load. So doing things with weights just because, one, you're carrying extra weight. And right. then after you have a baby, you're going to be carrying extra weight because mm-hmm. that baby's going to want to be held, right? And yes. you're going to need to hold the baby yes. and pick up something, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And and so, um, you know, with the Olympic lifts, bar path is really important. And so when you're doing like a clean and jerk or something, keeping the bar close to and you're clean as your stomach grows, it's going to be harder to do that. And so what happens is you retrain yourself mm-hmm. and you train yourself to lift away from your body in order to avoid your stomach. Right. Mm. And so, um, you know, the thing that I try to stress is like, hey, you spent a lot of time drilling the mechanics of this lift let's not break that form yeah i was gonna say but doesn't that create bad habits because postpartum your brain's automatically gonna do what it's not supposed to do in a clean which is like the one thing you don't want to do is lift away from your body right right so uh instead of doing that it's like hey let's move to dumbbells Mm -hmm. right and then Mm -hmm. you don't have to worry about that and then when you get back into the gym in your postpartum you can continue to drill you know go back to Mm -hmm. drilling those um those mechanics so uh and then the other thing is that i will typically 
as they progress in their pregnancy, um, get them to modify away from doing any jumping. So like okay. double unders or box mm-hmm. jumps and not because they can't, right. But it's just, it puts pressure on your right. pelvic floor each time you land. Right. 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 And so there's lots of ways to modify. And I know one of the things that I struggled with and I find a lot of people struggle with when they look at a workout and they want to modify, they want to find a one-to-one match, right? Mm-hmm. So it's pull-ups. What can I do that mimics a pull-up, right? Right. And sometimes it's enough to just move and you don't have to modify the movements exactly, but maybe you want to um, maintain the stimulus, right? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Or you don't want to, you don't, sorry, need to maintain the movements, but you need to maintain the stimulus. So if it is like, you know, a minute of cardio, right? Instead mm-hmm. of doing double unders, X number of double unders, maybe it is like you get on the rower, right? right or you get right. on the bike or whatever. Mm-hmm. You do a farmer's carry or something like that that is yeah. going to mimic that cardio, but it's not going to be a one-to-one map. So yeah. Right. Um, and then that's typically it in pregnancy. It's like, hey, let's switch to some dumbbells or some kettlebells mm-hmm. and let's, you know, limit the jumping that you're doing. Okay. And okay. usually if they have a good modification for those things, I don't get much pushback. <laughs> right, 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 yeah. right. So let's say then, for example, um, so, okay, so you get that, that, um, that athlete through their pregnancy, they have, you know, a great pregnancy, they deliver, baby's healthy, everyone's great, yay! yay. And they come back and they're like, all right, let's go. Um, first of all, like, how soon do you sort of allow them, I guess is the word I'm looking for, like give your, (laughs) give your clearance for them to to kind of start training with you again. So one of the things that I forgot to mention is that for, if I'm able to work with them starting in their pregnancy, I will also Mm -hmm. introduce um, like breathing techniques that allow them Mm. to connect their core and their pelvic floor. Right. Um, And so it's, you know, doing that big inhale and learning to relax their pelvic floor and kind of let everything fill up. And Mm -hmm. then they exhale and they draw their pelvic floor up. Right. So Mm -hmm. it's practicing a lot of that in their pregnancy in order to have a strong kind of those transverse abdominis, the like deep ab muscles, having a strong connection between their breathing and then also continuing to strengthen those ab muscles. Mm -hmm. Um, When they are postpartum, I say, hey, you can start practicing that breathing again. You can continue doing those breathing techniques as soon as you have the baby, essentially, right? So you can breathe. um, And then I personally wait until they've been cleared by Mm -hmm. their midwife, their OBGYN, whoever it was Mm -hmm. um, that they delivered the baby with. And so that's usually anywhere from six to 12 weeks. Mm -hmm. Um, What I will also do is refer them to a pelvic floor physical therapist Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. in order just to see if there are any dysfunctions or anything, um, if they're symptomatic at all, if there's anything we should be uh, aware of before Mm -hmm. we get into like training again. Okay. Um, And so OBGYNs, most OBs and midwives do not refer you out to a pelvic floor physical therapist. Right. And so that is something that uh, I like to do. I prefer for them to see someone. Mm -hmm. I also Mm -hmm. know that insurance is a real thing. And so finding someone in network can be kind of hard. Mm -hmm. So, um, but yeah, that's what I'll do. And then once they're like back in the gym, they've been cleared by their OB or their midwife, we work on 
that breath. And then mm-hmm. we just incorporate small movements, right? So they might mm-hmm. do like a kneeling squat, um, mm-hmm. but we'll still do some things under load, but okay. we won't necessarily go like full range of motion. So they might be doing goblet squats to like a box mm-hmm. or kneeling squats, holding a kettlebell or something, you know, or holding okay. their baby usually mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. in order to then progress them. So it's, we start with just kind of controlled movements and do you, can you manage pressure um, and making sure that you feel strong in your core mm-hmm. under these controlled movements. And then if we need to increase intensity, we will increase, uh, you know, we'll progress to range of motion or load. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So um, because I, again, I feel like there's still a lot of um, confusion a lot mm-hmm. of times about women training through pregnancy. Yes. Um, talk to us a little bit about, um, some of the advantages and, and, and not only just in respect in general, but like advantages in terms of, of going through delivery and then some of the myths that we need to dispel about, you know, because we all know somebody post a picture. Oh, my God, your uterus is going to fall out, you know, just dumb shit. So <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> can you tell us a little bit about, you know, what are some of the advantages in terms of, of uh, as it relates to your pregnancy and delivery and postpartum and then some of the, the myths that are out there that are just not true yeah. about training while pregnant? Yeah. So I think, I mean, the biggest thing that I have found, especially for, uh, women athletes who get pregnant is you train for a reason, right? Mm -hmm. You've already been training because it's something that you love because it makes you feel good. I think those are good enough reasons to continue training, Mm -hmm. right? In terms of your actual labor and delivery, that's going to go the way that it goes. So you may be training to have a vaginal delivery and end up having a Mm C-section. I think that uh, the mindset that comes with training helps you, Mm -hmm. right? But I also think that training for birth is can can look different right so training for birth doesn't just mean working out but that also means like are you taking a birthing class are you doing Mm -hmm. all of these other things because it is so much about not just your physical but your mindset as well um so i think that training during your pregnancy is awesome just because it makes you feel good right Right. if training makes you feel good and something that makes you happy you should absolutely do it i think figuring out what works for you not pushing yourself past uh any kind of limit because you feel like you have something to prove to yourself or to someone Mm, else okay uh, is really really important uh we get a lot of blanket statements Mm -hmm. about what pregnant women should do when they're pregnant i know you know i had a midwife for both of my children and it was like hey do what feels good right Right. listen to your body do what you've always done some doctors will say don't lift anything over x number of pounds or that Mm -hmm. you have to stop completely and i think that those are general statements that don't take into account the way that someone's been training or what they did before a lot of the times and so figuring out what is going to work for you and that can be hard to do because like i said i felt good jumping rope at, Mm -hmm. you know, 33 weeks pregnant, but like Mm -hmm. that may not have been the best decision. So I think that's where if you have the ability, if you're in a gym that has personal trainers or coaches, I think just getting with somebody, even if they haven't worked with someone who's pregnant, you know, before just Mm -hmm. having someone to help to guide you so that you can hand raise to say, actually, that felt a little weird or just asking the question, should I be doing this? Right. And I think even if they haven't worked with someone who's pregnant before, I think a lot of coaches and PTs will be, um, will 
take extra precautions because of Mm -hmm. that and will help to kind of ease you and like slow you down if you can't do that yourself. Okay, great. Um, So let's say the scenario is a little different in that someone walks in or has heard of you, has been referred to you, and they had already been thinking about, you know, I really, let's say they don't have much of a fitness or athletic background, but they had already been kind of moving in that direction, then, oh, they come up, they're pregnant. So they're trying to figure out how to, you know, you know, like, just feel good during their pregnancy, you know, establish movement and, um, but they don't have that same background as like a, you know, Q or or some other athletes. How would you work with a woman like that? I think what works for postpartum women can work for women who are pregnant and have not been training, right? I think a lot of the, it's very introductory and we're going to build from a foundation, Mm -hmm. right? So Mm -hmm. we establish a foundation of control, of strength, of, you know, just like learning or relearning these movements or retraining movements. And then we increase the intensity and the load and things like that. And so that. I could see that working for anyone. I definitely have friends who are postpartum now who did not work out before and had no interest in working out until mm-hmm. after they had a baby. Right. And I think the programming is essentially the same because it all starts with your core and your pelvic floor okay. and then building from, from there. And we're learning, you know, kind of foundational. A lot of CrossFit gyms will have like an on-ramp class and right. it's introducing a lot of the foundational movements of squat, pushing, pulling, you know, those things. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. uh, the way that my programming looks is fairly similar to that with some extra uh, accommodations thrown in. Okay. Yeah. Great. Great. Um, So you you touched on this a little bit, but again, this was one of the huge things that I kind of wanted to really dig into with you um, because it has been, um, and, and it may have already kind of been an issue, but it's really been, I think, a lot more visible, again, just because of social media and all of these things. And I don't know if you are familiar with this, but fairly recently, there was a fairly um, prominent, uh, I guess, Olympic weightlifting gym or coach um, that made a post on um, Instagram about how disrespectful it was um, women who peed on the platform during a meet. Um, and as you can imagine, <laughs> it created quite a kerfuffle. And again, just kind of, you know, elevated this conversation about the whole issue with, you know, whether you were an athlete or not athlete, you know, and many women, it was women who've, who've had babies, some not, that are having issues with their pelvic floor and, and how that kind of, um, you know, becomes more, um, Uh, I guess, visible during, you know, someone who's an athlete and a competitive athlete. So I was wondering if you could maybe, you know, if we could talk a little bit about what that is about. And because this happened to every, it's happened to me, you know, not at a competition, but, you know, like you mentioned doing double unders and I was like, Ooh, Lord, I remember those days. I was like, Ooh, let me hope we don't have double unders in the wad today. Um, But maybe, you know, we can talk a little bit about this whole concept of, you know, I don't even know what, what the technical term is for it, but just your pelvic floor health and, and sort of what that looks like. And, you know, yeah, it's common, but is it normal? And, and kind of we can go from there. Yeah. So uh, I don't know how peeing on the platform or just leaking urine when you do certain movements is mm-hmm. called incontinence. Right. Okay. And there are different 
there are different types of it, right? But what we're talking about specifically is like stress incontinence. So this can okay. be when you run, when you jump, when you lift really heavy, mm-hmm. um, when you sneeze for some people, yes. when you laugh too much, like it mm-hmm. doesn't have to, and it can happen. You don't have to have had a child for this right. to happen, right? There are right. women who experience this um, and they don't have any kids, right? Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. uh, it is super common. Mm-hmm. But like you said, not necessarily normal, right? Okay. It is a sign of a pelvic floor dysfunction. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a few reasons that women just kind of deal with it, right? One is because it's common. So they're like, well, then it must not be that there's anything wrong, right? right. right. Um, and this is just kind of what it is. And I've definitely had for double unders, for sure. I used to bring like an extra set of underwear and sweats after mm-hmm. I'm like, Oh, we're doing double unders today. Right. I, I right. Got this, but afterwards yeah. I'm going to go clean myself up. Right. right and so, right. um, uh, but yeah, so it's definitely, you know, common, but not necessarily normal. It's also, I think because of the commonality of it, women don't bring it up to their doctors. Like I, mm-hmm have had incontinence for a long time, especially after I had my daughter, I never once thought to bring it up to my OB ever. Mm-hmm. I well, just, I remember bringing it up and being told, did. welcome to motherhood. Uh, <laughs> I so, was like, oh. <laughs> and then that's the other side of it, right? And so right. I think one of the things that has been huge for me just in this past year was uh, the awareness that there, this is a symptom of a dysfunction that is treatable, right? Okay. This doesn't have to be your new normal. Right. Uh, it may come and go, but there is someone who can, there are people who can work with you, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so a pelvic floor or a women's health physical therapist. Okay is definitely trained in this, right? You Mm -hmm. may be able to find just a general uh, physical therapist as well, but in most cases, like it is an additional specialization that someone has to opt into, right? Mm -hmm. And so they will be able to give you exercises and techniques. They can also do internal exams that test Mm -hmm. your pelvic floor strength and things Mm -hmm. like that. And it is just, I mean, that opened my eyes and and blew my mind. But Mm -hmm. I think... You know, I think there's a few things, right? So it can be improved. It has a lot to do with, are you sucking it in a lot? Are you breath holding throughout the day, right? So it's, Mm -hmm. you know, really assessing what are you doing throughout the day? And then how are you then, because whatever you're practicing in your normal day-to-day, that is going to translate to how you train, right? Mm, And women are sucking it in all the time. We just suck mm. in our stomachs all the time. Right. 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 Like for no reason. It's Which like, is a whole other it's issue. Like a whole, but that's, yes. a, that's another podcast. <laughs> but, <for> another day. <laughs> but like, so what happens though, is when you we're also a lot of the times reversing the way that we inhale and exhale. Right. So mm. one of the first things that I teach uh, the women that I coach is, okay, I need you to inhale. And when I watch them inhale, it actually looks like they're sucking in as opposed to inhale filling up with air and this is even for athletes who like okay know better you know what I mean Mm -hmm. and so when you Mm -hmm. inhale you should be filling up with air and what happens when you fill up is that it pushes pressure throughout your body right and one of the Mm -hmm. places that it goes that pressure goes down into your pelvic floor if you're constantly sucking in though your pelvic floor is constantly being uh put under stress because you're it's like you're always flexing this muscle right Mm. and so when you inhale you should be able to let everything relax including your pelvic floor and then when you exhale is when you draw everything 
up, right? A lot Mm. of times we're doing the opposite of that or we're full of air and we're sucking in in the middle, right? We're sucking our Mm -hmm. stomachs in and then that pressure has nowhere to go but down or up. If that pressure is going down and your pelvic floor is tight, it's just like you're holding a bite, you know, you're flexing your bicep and then you're also squeezing it, right? So you're overworking Mm -hmm. it and then that is leading to stress and it's making your pelvic floor weak, which Mm -hmm. allows fluid to come out, right? right? It can't hold it in. Right. When it's under pressure. And so it's really about, you know, what are you doing in your everyday life? How are you breathing? Do you understand the relationship between your pelvic floor and like your breath Mm -hmm. so that you can practice that? Right. And feel and know when you should be tightening it versus when it should be relaxed. And then I think for like powerlifting and people who do Olympic lift and heavy lifting, Mm -hmm. they are, you know, using the Vesalva breath. Right. So they're breath holding. Um, and so understanding, do you know what the threshold is? Is it, you know, if you're deadlifting 300, you're fine. But when you go to 310 mm-hmm. is when you maybe leak, right? Or like, where mm. is that threshold? And then mm-hmm. we can work on some strategies around. And sometimes it is just like, what is your setup like? Other times it is, what is your breathing like? And can we figure out a breathing technique that allows you to feel supported, Mm -hmm. not only feel supported, but actually be supported, right? So that your pelvic floor can do the job that it's supposed to do so that you're not bearing down on it when you're lifting. Does that make sense? Yeah. I was going to say, so let me ask you this because I, I know for myself and maybe other folks out there, like I'm, I'm, I work really well when I have like visual cues so I can think of, okay. So like you mentioned when you, when you are inhaling and taking in breath and you Mm -hmm. mentioned a lot of women will kind of flatten their stomachs, like should, should your belly almost expand with air? Like what would that look like? Yeah. So your belly should expand. So, uh, there's, I think it's Julie Weeb. She uses a, and a lot of pelvic floor PTs will use a balloon to describe this. So if you think about a balloon, Mm -hmm. when you're filling it with air, it gets bigger. All the way around, it gets bigger, right? Mm -hmm. If you squeeze it in the middle, you'll notice the air going up and down because it it has to. That's the only way it has to go, right? Right. So if you think about your inhale as like filling a balloon with air, you should get bigger all the way around, your belly, your chest, everything, right? Mm -hmm. And then when you exhale, you're drawing all of that breath out. It's coming up and out of your mouth. So if you think about that balloon again, when you let the air out, everything goes out, right? And I'm then like it's... literally sitting here doing yeah. this as you're talking. <laughs> so like, I hope they don't hear me breathing yeah. all in the microphone. <laughs> so, you know, when you're inhaling, right, just like when a balloon's being filled with air, it's getting bigger. Right. And then when you let the air out, which is your exhale, it's getting smaller. Mm-hmm. So if your breathing mm-hmm. does not look like that, then you're probably doing the opposite, right? Mm-hmm. Where when you're inhaling, you're actually sucking in. Right. And then you're exhaling and then you're releasing everything. Mm, you want okay. to do the opposite of that. Does that make sense? Yes. Thank okay. you. Mm-hmm. Um, and let's put this in the context because again, I know this subject comes up a lot with, um, you know, I, I'm kind of dip, dip dabbling more in competitive powerlifting now. So this subject comes up a lot with, you know, particularly deadlifts and squats. So let's say for example, um, you know, someone is getting ready to squat a, a fairly, you know, moderate to heavy load. What is that? what does that breathing pattern look like? So they, they unrack, you know, they walk back with the bar, um, you know, prior to getting ready for the descent, what should their breathing look like? Yeah. So this is again, credit to Julie Weeb, the kind mm-hmm. of blow before you go in order to engage your pelvic floor. So okay. you, uh, 
you, let's say you're doing a back squat, right? So you Mm -hmm. rack the weight, you step back, you're going to do your big inhale. Mm -hmm. And then before you actually squat, you're going to do a quick exhale, right? Mm. And that lifts your pelvic floor just slightly enough to feel secure. So you don't want to completely empty yourself out. It's a quick exhale. Okay. And then another really tiny inhale, and then you're going to squat. Mm, okay. Right? So you're and at the bottom, you're in the hole. You're in the bottom. And then this is, again, one of those things that you would need to play with, right? So mm-hmm. you're in the bottom. You can exhale throughout the movement on the way up, right? Mm-hmm. So you've you inhaled at the top. Mm-hmm. You did a quick little exhale. And then you do your Valsalva, so you're another quick inhale you go Mm -hmm. down to your squat and then you're exhaling out of the bottom okay so that your pelvic floor remember the exhale your pelvic floor is coming up and tightening right right lifting that pelvic floor to feel secure as Mm -hmm. you push out of the bottom okay okay does that make sense it does and i guess um one of the things i've noticed because i've just been trying to be very mindful about bracing and breathing Mm -hmm. and all of that good stuff um I've noticed when I do that, because I think that's what I'm doing. I'm going to have to send you a video later. Yeah. Um, I think that's what I'm doing. But as I've noticed, as I come up and I kind of use that um, exhale to explode up, mm-hmm. I get lightheaded. <laughs> so uh, I'm like, right. what did I do wrong here? <laughs> so I would check on the, are you doing, are you sure you're doing the quick exhale before you go down into your uh, squat? Right. Because okay. if you've been holding it since you... Right. You know, then right. that could definitely lead you to feeling uh, to feeling lightheaded because you're holding a lot of air for a very long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. The other thing is, do you wear a weight belt? I do. Okay. Yeah. So that is the other thing. I think it's important to train with and without that, right? Okay. So that you're not as dependent on it. The other thing that I found is that when when you wear a weight belt, you have a tendency, not you specifically, but people Mm -hmm. have a tendency to breathe straight into their abs, right? Or straight into the belt or down into their pelvic floor, as opposed to breathing full circle all the way around and Mm. back into their rib cage, right? So you're not necessarily breathing up as much as you're breathing out and down. Okay. And that puts pressure. So you're typically like bearing down more and putting more pressure on your pelvic floor, right? Um, as opposed to really using like that diaphragmic breath and breathing all the way up yeah. through your ribs. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. I've been, uh, I usually go up to a certain weight and then I'm like, okay, let me put this weight and belt on. But I've been trying to increase the weight that I can do, that I can, you know, load I can do without a weight belt. Um, so I'll definitely be working on that. And then how would that differ for, because I think squats and particularly deadlifts okay. is where I notice a lot of women seem to really notice the the incontinence. Yeah. So how does the breathing work differently for um, a deadlift? If it works differently, I'm not sure. Uh, it's not that different. It's the same okay. thing. You want to do your big inhale, like on your setup, you're going to do a quick exhale, right? Not completely mm-hmm. empty, but a quick exhale. And then another inhale as you are Pull. pulling. Yep. Okay. Yep. Okay. Okay. And then, um, uh, on the, on the putting the bar back down, is it, does it matter? Or were you just breathing normally then? Or you should be breathing normally. I would say I have to do it right now. <laughs> so I know. I'm like in my head, like, what does it look like? <laughs> yeah. So I would, I just exhaled into the mic. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, oh, sexy girl. Don't worry about it. <laughs> exhaling on the way down or breathing normally on the way down. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Great. That's uh, awesome. I have so many questions. So please send me a video. Of you. <laughs> I will. <laughs> I would love to see. But I do think, I mean, you know, 
challenging yourself. For me, I have a problem lifting with a weight belt because I mm-hmm. notice the change in my breathing. Mm, so okay. I don't know. Oh yeah. That's what I was going to ask you. So you said that, you know, you lift up to a certain weight and then you put on your weight belt. Do you notice that your breathing, you may not have paid attention, but do you notice that your breathing is any different when you have the weight belt on versus when you have it off? I really haven't noticed that. I mean, like I said, I've, I've noticed, like I said, sometimes I'll, I'll feel a little lightheaded on the descent, but I just figured that's because it's some heavy ass weight. It I never is. even really thought about Cause it's usually like, once I get to like, 280 285 on up then I'm like whoo you know so I didn't I didn't know if that was just because I was extra tired or I'm old or whatever so I'll have to definitely pay more attention to see what you know how I feel at the lighter weights versus the heavier weights so um but this isn't about me anyway (laughs) (laughs) I'm right now I was like what am I asking this this this?" um so in terms of um so you mentioned you know seeing a pelvic floor therapist um and you also, we t- when we talked, when you mentioned a little earlier that sometimes they're not easy to find or like, yes. you know, in terms of being um, difficult to, you know, have in your insurance coverage or whatever, are there some resources or things or books or people, websites that, that women can look to maybe to just start getting more information about this? Yes. So there are definitely, there's a few things, right? So mm-hmm. again, mentioning Brianna Battles, there's really, mm-hmm. there aren't many people you'll hear Brianna and Julie Weeb mm-hmm. and probably Jesse Monell like come up a lot just because okay. the number of women who are putting this information out there uh, is, mm-hmm. is fairly small but on Brianna's website she does have a link to a resource where you can look up a pelvic floor physical therapist near you oh, so I would okay, great. definitely start there and I will send okay. you uh, what exactly that website is because I can't think of it right now okay. that's yes, how I we found will, mine. We will put it in the show notes listeners. okay so don't worry about that. We'll have that information for you. Uh, and then she also has a resource for finding a pregnancy and postpartum athleticism coach on her okay. website as well. So you can find someone who's local to you. I know like for myself and a lot of the coaches, we also offer like remote one-on-one coaching. Just because, That was just what I was about to ask yeah, if you do virtual coaching. Yes, there's be, just because there's not that many of us. Right. You know, so mm-hmm. um, I definitely do uh, virtual, like remote one on one coaching. Um, the other thing is there are some resources around, also on Brianna's page and Julie Weeb's website as well. They have resources around like um, incontinence, so leaking, especially mm-hmm. for like jumping or like high intensity stuff. Mm-hmm. And then um, some examples of breathing. Mm-hmm. And how and what that should look like. So I will definitely send you links. I am okay, actually perfect. working on a post right now, just showing like the way that I breathe and like what oh, awesome. that can look like. Um, okay. And I think I just want it like we talked a lot about how to breathe in your squat and your deadlift. This should not be something like we don't want athletes or I don't want athletes having to think about this when they're on the platform, right? Mm, Right to perform. And so it's definitely something that we should be like practicing and training so that when you need to show up to do, you can just show up, you can just show up and lift, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, it's practicing it not just when the weight gets really heavy, but practicing it throughout, right? Okay. So you can get the techniques down. Mm -hmm. So um, aside from, physical therapy, breathing, are there any other um, modalities that could be used to help women that, you know, may be having this issue? Like I've seen a couple of people tout a couple of different um, 
Saint, I don't know if they're called, I don't know if they're machines or devices. I've seen people, I've seen people, you know, kind of talk about surgery, I guess, as a last resort. Yeah. Um, so what are some other alternatives or other things? Like if it kind of gets to that, I guess, more extreme point that right. people could also explore. Yeah. So I think it depends on the dysfunction, right? So if you right. have diastasis recti, which is when your abdominal split, which this happens for every woman when they're pregnant and for mm-hmm. some women it will their abs will come back together afterwards right. for mm-hmm. for some women it won't right okay. if you have um a severe diastasis where you're working with a pelvic floor physical therapist or you're doing you know different exercises mm-hmm. and things like that and you are able to increase your core strength and like the tension but mm-hmm. not necessarily close the gap surgery is definitely one way to do that mm-hmm. um and I really think of that as like a last resort, not that it, right. not in that it's bad or you should be able to heal this yourself. And if you can't, but just because the, you can have diastasis recti and still have a strong core. And mm-hmm. so making sure you know how to connect your pelvic floor and your breathing and right. you have that strength in your core before you jump into surgery, I think mm-hmm. is just a really important practice. Right. Um, there's also, if you have pop or pelvic organ prolapse where some of your internal organs may descend um, through your your pelvis. Mm-hmm. If you have that, there are different desi- devices that you can use in order to manage pressure. Um, so what that tends to feel like if you have pop is that your organs may descend, you may or may not be able to see them, but you will feel a certain like heaviness or pressure on your pelvic floor. Mm-hmm. Um, Wait a minute. Yeah. <laughs> so, wait, we didn't get me, into Wait pop. a damn minute. Yeah. Let me back on up. So are you, when you say, so, okay, I'll put it this way. So you know how like I, you hear people are like, oh my God, your uterus will come out. Is that kind of what you mean? Which, I know that's not yes. exactly what you mean, no, but, and is that something that could happen as a result of childbirth or is that just kind of one of those things that could happen regardless? So uh, I know of it as happening as a result of childbirth. Okay. Um, I'm not sure if there's any other way. Okay. Potentially. I don't okay. want to speak, you know, I don't right. want to speak in any definite terms, but definitely right. uh, I know women who have after childbirth had uh, pelvic organ prolapse, right? And so mm. there's different kinds depending on the right. organ that is descending, but they feel a general like heaviness, right? Mm. And so they're very... Um, you know, you have to be concerned about that when you're lifting really heavy. Right. For some people, it's not even, they don't even necessarily have to lift heavy, right? But doing like unilateral movements or certain movements may cause things to flare up. And so mm-hmm. there are devices, those you really want to have uh, an OB or a pelvic floor physiotherapist or someone look at and treat you so you can get fitted for a device. So it's not just oh, something that Oh, so you, you can't just buy. go buy the CVS. Right. No. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, so you would get fitted so that it Mm -hmm. um, is able to support you. And, you know, finding a good coach is also Mm -hmm. super helpful because, you know, some women have found that they are able to manage their pressure on their own depending on the grade, right? Right. And how severe it is. And so, you know, some... I don't want to speak in like broad terms, but like some OBs will immediately want to fit you for something and have you use it. Um, And there may be some other ways, right? Depending on the grade and how severe it is. But that's definitely if you feel any pressure or heaviness in your pelvic floor when you do certain movements, uh, it would be good to bring that up to your OB 
or mm-hmm. if you see a midwife, bring it up to them. Uh, or And then, of course, try to either find a pelvic floor physical therapist on your own or ask mm-hmm. your OB directly to refer you to someone. Okay, great. Yeah. Um, and then the one other thing I wanted to uh, bring up about this is that I think that there is a lot of... Um, Uh, I don't know, misunderstanding, confusion about, you know, when people talk about, you know, oh, I'm having trouble, you know, or I'm I'm in kind of whatever, the first thing people say is do some Kegels, you know, and I think that it's important to address, it sounds like you've heard this before. I know, you hear Um, me. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, "Mm." Um, to talk a little bit about, you know, sort of, you know, how that fits into this, if it does at all, and if it's helpful or not helpful. Yeah, so Kegels are great. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, not that a lot of women are doing Kegels wrong. Maybe, maybe that is true. I, I know that I myself was doing them wrong, right? Mm-hmm. And so okay. because I was going off of like someone said, do it. Like, I think I read like, like you're holding your pee or. Right. That's what I've know. always heard. But And that's not the case. So, yes. And when you, the next time you do your Kegel, you could do them right now, but um, Mm -hmm. so when you do your Kegels, depending on the position that you're in, when you do them, you may Mm -hmm. actually feel it more in your rear than you Mm -hmm. do in your pelvis, right? Okay, right. And so it's just a question of like, where are you feeling it? Mm -hmm. And then strategies for getting yourself into position so that you're exercising the right muscle. Okay. Does that make okay. sense? Yes. So you yes. should not be sitting like, you, if you're trying to, because I've always yeah. heard, you know, when you go to the bathroom, practice holding your screen. And and like that is one way, right? Because it's easy to, that is fairly easy to do because there is a stream to stop. Right. right? So you'll know right. for sure that like that's what you're doing. But mm-hmm. if you're just sitting, I at least for me, when I don't have the stream, I'm like, oh, I actually feel this more mm. in the back than I do the front. Right. 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 So okay. the way that in that, pelvic floor kind of core connection right and introducing the breathing and how do these things kind of work together Mm -hmm. I typically will start women regardless of if they're pregnant or postpartum either lying down on their backs Ah, or standing up and Mm -hmm. in kind of a forward lean position right so doing it like at an incline a little bit as if you're in a position as if you're like twerking not quite Almost a twerk, almost a twerk. Uh, it's more I'm of look, like, I'm just trying to help the people, yeah, okay? <laughs> it's more of like, um, you know Michael Jackson, right? When he does yeah. the, what is that, the Smooth Criminal video? when he leans Oh, when forward. he does the little, mm-hmm. okay, okay, yeah, all right. That lean, <laughs> that's Smooth Criminal, right? When they lean forward. Yeah, yeah. Getting in that kind of position and then trying to do it. Okay, Yeah. interesting. So that okay. or lying down on other backs. Okay, I'll just check it out. So yeah, Kegels, oh. can be, Kegels can be great, but they are not a one size fit, fits all. So if you right. have um, pelvic organ prolapse, doing Kegels is not necessarily going to to help okay. you, right? Having incontinence, okay. doing Kegels may or may not help, but it may also mean that like if you're doing all these Kegels, but you never actually relax your pelvic floor, that could be uh, the problem, right? If you're always right. sucking in, your pelvic floor is always right, tight. Right adding more exercises to that muscle isn't going to actually make it stronger. Do you know what I mean? Okay. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So. Okay. And then what about, um, I mean, cause you know, we keeps it 100% mm-hmm. real on the chocolate bar. Uh, what about like yoni eggs, things like that? I'm asking for a friend. Right. Um, <laughs> so, yes. Um, I have not personally used them. 
Okay. I know people who who love them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I would also say that the it's not necessarily like other professionals. It's like friends that I have right that like them, and they also just like to try new things. So okay. <laughs> I don't know, you know, I can't There's say no scientific research definitive, right, <laughs> definitively whether that will help or hurt you, right? right um, or right. not necessarily hurt, but whether that'll that'll help with any kind of like pelvic floor yeah. dysfunction or issues. Yeah. I can't. So the moral to the story, y'all, is go see a professional. Go see, yeah, go see a professional. First and foremost. <laughs> I mean, I really think getting hands and eyes on you helps. Right. I know for me, when I saw my pelvic floor physical therapist, she's like, oh, you actually like manage your breathing really well and your pressure. But then I found, but I was like, hey, but I'm leaking when I do certain things. And I found right. that like I wasn't relaxing when I ran. So I would mm. leak when I would run and the first time I actually like took a good inhale and relaxed my pelvic floor, I was like, Oh, I've never felt that before. Right. Um, and so it's like, I was holding all this tension in my pelvic floor for, you know, a three mile run. And so Mm -hmm. eventually it was like, you know what, girl, I got to give up on you because it's too hard for it to support me. And then for my double unders, um, she did an internal and found that like, okay, after a certain threshold, my pelvic floor was just tired. So uh, doing, you know, a hundred double unders, it's like, of course you're going to leak because your body is only right. really equipped to do without rest to do like 50. Right. And uh, that was just for me personally. Yeah. So yeah. I think that's why it just is helpful to get eyes and hands on you and ears too. So to ask you the right questions to be like, yeah. when do you actually leak? Right. Let's try right. Let's try to push that threshold and see how far we can go. Right. And then yeah. we can talk about what changed, you know? So. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. This is all really helpful because, you know, like I said, um, you know, even now, like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm pushing 50 at some point and like I'll start seeing these Depends commercials and I just, I just start breaking right. out in a cold sweat, like, Lord, please don't let this be in my <laughs> yes. future. What do I need to do? So yeah. it's quite clear that we are, you know, like we mentioned earlier, you don't have to be pregnant or postpartum or, you know, had a baby or old or young, like you can still go see a pelvic floor therapist at any point, it sounds like just to kind of either get in front of things or, you know, to, to help you sort of alleviate maybe something early on so it doesn't get more extreme. For sure. My pelvic floor physical therapist has clients from like high school volleyball players Mm -hmm. all the way up to uh like older women who never had any issues and now in their older age are like yeah i need help yeah 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 that's good to know cool so um this is the part of the podcast where i get to ask fun questions and get a little in your business um no 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 hard questions i promise you don't have to study for this um so i guess the first one i have for you is um what would you, how would you describe a perfect day? You wake up and boom. Oh, okay. Uh, I wake up, someone else makes me breakfast. Yes, mama. <laughs> <laughs> and I get to spend the day outside. Mm-hmm. That is, and I don't have to come back home and like clean or I don't have to worry right. about that, right? Like my house is going to be better than I left it. Mm-hmm. But if I can like get out and have someone take care of my meals for the day, mm and just get outside and play that mm-hmm. is like perfect day i love it i love perfect it perfect day and then on that same vein you mentioned meals so let's say uh today is your last day on earth mm-hmm. and you have a last supper of your choosing what would that last supper consist of 
This is a hard question. And this is definitely <laughs> one that I feel like I should have thought about before. <laughs> and now I'm drawing a blank. I'm like, ooh, what do I like? Um, what are your favorites? I really, I am fairly simple. Mm-hmm. I love a good burger. Mm. Like a juicy, delicious hamburger. Is yes, like girl. everything for me. Oh. So I think I would have a burger, some shoestring fries. Mm. Have you ever been to Barney's? No. And oh my god. I need to go there. Oh, yes. Okay. The one in either Berkeley or um, in Oakland. We'll okay. talk later. Okay. Anyway, go on. Um, yes, I a good burger and some shoestring fries mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that are like fresh, like fresh cut shoestring oh, fries. Yes. And... Um, I also want some watermelon. That's okay, it's your last so meal, sis. Have whatever you want. I definitely want some watermelon. <laughs> and that's it. I'll be happy with those Okay. Things. Yeah. Okay, I like it. I like it. Um, what's on your um, iPod playlist, uh, both uh, when you're training and just when you're just chilling? Oh, my gosh. So it is a mix of, like, really ratchet music and gospel. Yes. <laughs> I love it. Listen, it's called duality, yeah. right? uh it's a mix yes of ratchet and gospel i have been listening to well i'm re-listening to lemonade because beyonce Mm -hmm. and like the homecoming album but lizzo's album that just came out is Mm -hmm. so good so good um so i've been listening to a lot of that i also like uh dreezy and some other stuff that's like real ratchet that I'm not well like Megan the Stallion that kind of thing I was like come um, on man. <laughs> I've also been listening to a lot of Nipsey Hussle mm-hmm, for mm-hmm. obvious reasons yeah um, yeah and then on my gospel tip I have like Deidre Cadden mm-hmm. my friend just sent me a new song by Kirk Franklin mm. um Ricky Dillard like it's mm-hmm. just been, and then a little bit of Hillsong thrown in there of like okay, the traditional okay. worship music. Yeah. I was going to say, I like it. I like it. Yeah. It's, it's so funny. I, I found myself the other morning um, going to the gym. I train really early in the morning, like uh, oh, 5 a.m. Yeah. And I was like, oh, Lord. It literally like, Lord, it's one of them days. And some, and Mahalia Jackson came on. Girl, I was like, <laughs> yeah. I was like, I know they were like, what in the Negro spiritual is going on? Yes. There? I will go from like city girls. Yep. and it's like wait what are we listening to <laughs> what is the vibe right now and then I always have some old school kind of barrier stuff mixed in just for yeah nostalgia sake so okay yeah. I like it I like it okay what sound and or smell most reminds you of your childhood Ooh. okay I would say the sound is just laughter mm-hmm. my family is very goofy mm-hmm. I that is something that I try to recreate for my kids like when mm-hmm. everybody's laughing I'm like I know that everybody's good and I'm doing my right. job and so definitely laughter the smell I don't know that is a good question you know what Do so tell. I think it would be incense. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. So uh, my dad has always been a yogi. Oh, really? Yes. Since I was 
very little, like headstands and everything. Oh my gosh, um, that's all. That is so awesome. And my parents have. We used to frequent the Berkeley flea market when I was a kid. Oh my goodness! And it was always incense. Like yes. I feel like that was just the smell. <laughs> like that's what my house smelled yep. like. To the yep. point where I was like, is this weird? Now I do more like Palo Santo than incense. Yeah, definitely incense reminds me of like home for sure. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. That's so, you know, and, and for me, like I, I, when you said incense, like I immediately was like, Oh, cause I have older brothers. Like they're significantly okay. older than me. So like one of my older brothers, I literally remember, I can remember walking into his room when he was like a teenager. He's like, he was like 16 years older than me. So I would go in his room when he was a teenager and I would hear like, um, you know, Steve Arrington or yep. something on the stereo and the black light and the, uh, what was that yeah. one instance? It was like black love <laughs> and it had the two half <laughs> naked people on the cover. Yes. Girl. Yes. <laughs> Maybe it was a California thing. I don't know, but I just, that definitely brings back memories. Yeah. I recall that so much. That's so funny. Yeah. Um, so these are just a couple of little one, one, one word answer things. So, okay. Just, I just want you to finish the phrase. I believe in God. He is real. Oh, okay. So no, no, no. I didn't know if that was your answer. Like God or like, God, I don't know. No, God. You know, what's so funny. If you go back and listen Kiana said the same thing, but the way she said it was so hilarious. Like I just completely lost my shit. She was like, I believe she said something like Jesus the Christ or something crazy. And I was just like, you know what? That's so funny. Um, Okay. Okay. (laughs) Success is. Okay. Breathe. These are hard. Um, (laughs) Success is freedom. Okay. Yeah. I like it. I like it. Um, beauty is black. Oh, I knew you were going to do that because you took my last one, which was black is. You getting on my nerves. Oh, <sighs> okay, fine. Since you want to mess my stuff up. So the thing I want my kids to remember most about me is. That I tried and I wasn't afraid of failure. Mm, I love that. This has been so much fun. This has been Oh awesome. my gosh. It has been fantastic. So um, the last one I have for you, are you sitting down? Because this one's pretty tough. Yes. Okay. You might want to take a, take a deep cleansing breath. Expand your yes. Connect <laughs> Expand your pelvis. Mm. <laughs> All right. <laughs> the blackest thing I have ever done is... Everything I do is so black, my friends would say. <laughs> um, you know what? This is going to sound very deep. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's fine. It might be a little deep. Okay, let's go. Let's do it. Uh, marrying a black man and having black babies is Girl! so black. <laughs> So black. <laughs> I'm about to throw my phone across the room because that is beautiful. I that is yeah. see, and I'm so trifling. I was gonna say something like, you know, sneak some food into the movie theater, but that's much I mean, better. That's I definitely oh. do that. I growing up, we never <laughs> bought my husband. I'm sorry, my husband is all about buying movie snacks, and I'm like, 
how is this your what? life? Who does Growing that? Growing up, we never. <laughs> we always went to 7-Eleven first. And then I would bring like a whole burrito to the movie theater. So I'm just like, what? <laughs> you buy snacks? And now my daughter thinks like, oh, no, you buy your snacks at the theater, which is crazy. But that is so funny. Yes. I love it. But no, I, I agree with you. Marrying a black man and having black babies or having a black partner and being black is an act of rebellion. Yeah, I say it every day. You don't day. get no blacker so. than that. Yes, I love it. Black babies. Yes. <laughs> so, um, okay, so I lied. This is actually the last okay. one. What advice would you give to 10-year-old Jamila and 16-year-old Jamila? Or words of encouragement? 10-year-old? You as, you as who you yeah. are now, what advice would you give them? 10-year-old Jamila. Ooh, this is a hard question. Okay. 10-year-old Jamila, I would tell her that she didn't have to impress anyone. Mm-hmm. And everything was going to be all right. Okay. And then 16-year-old Jamila... I would tell her just wait. The boys will, <laughs> the boys will be flocking soon enough. I love it. I love yeah. it. That is awesome. Well, where can the people find you on the internets? Hmm. I am on Instagram. Okay. At Coach Jamila. Mm-hmm. And we'll put that in the notes, like yes. I said. Okay. That is like my main place, and then there is okay. a link in my bio to apply for one-on-one remote coaching with me. Okay. Uh, and then I respond heavily to DMs. Mm-hmm. And I'm working on a website, but don't have okay. that yet. So Instagram okay, is like my go-to. Your main thing. Yeah, okay. for sure. And then are there any upcoming projects you're working on, events, competition? I don't know if you compete in CrossFit, but I do, um... I do not compete anymore. Okay, okay. Yeah, um, yeah uh, it's a lot. But <laughs> I do. So um, I'm putting together a series of workshops local to me. Okay. Right now, uh, in Southern California, but am you know open to coming and meeting and talking to people about this stuff. So oh, you know, awesome. I'm open to that, but doing some stuff locally that will be promoted. As well, okay. So we will be on the lookout. Yeah. Well, I cannot even tell you how much fun this has been. I, like I said, I always get a feeling when I kind of find guests or they find me and I'm just like, there's just something about the spirit, your spirit that came through on your Instagram. And I'm like, she would be so dope to talk to And I was not wrong. <laughs> so thank you. thank you again for, for taking the time out to chat with us. And, you know, I tell all my guests, once you're on here, once you're no longer a guest, you're family. Thank so you. You know, when you have something to promote or, you know, you got something on your spirit you want to say, you let me know and uh, we will happily do this again. Um, Thank you to my listeners. Thank you guys so much to all you mommies, biological, non-biological, wannabe mommies. Have a wonderful, blessed Mother's Day. You, You guys, I mean, literally are the foundation of civilization, especially black mamas. So I appreciate each and every one of you. Um, and we are on all the socials, Instagram at the chocolate bar podcast. We're on Twitter. You can find the, um, actual podcast on anywhere you listen to podcasts. So Apple podcasts, Google play, Stitcher, SoundCloud, um, all the things. Um, thank you again, Jamila. It has been a complete honor. Love you guys. Happy mother's day. And we will see you at the bar. Bye-bye. Thank you. Happy mother's day. Thank you.